0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another wonderful episode of Open Door Policy, where Danielle Center and Father Steve Boulos sit down with different guests around the Archdiocese of Detroit and beyond who are unleashing the gospel. Today we have Father Marco Jonovic, the pastor at St. Moses the Black and one of the founders of Better Way Ministries. Father Marco, how are you? Good. How are you? Great. Uh, Danielle Center, what's
1: up? Oh, you know, just living the dream. What's up with you?
0: Can I share some of uh, a grace God's been working in my life these
1: days? Will you please share a grace that God's been working Uh, in your life? Okay, since
0: you've twisted my arm, I uh, wanted to share the grace. It has been so beautiful outside, and Mm. I've had the chance to de-socially separate. Well, whatever, to (laughs) de-quarantine a little bit, but still socially distanced with uh, some friends and some family. And it's just been like... I can't believe how much I appreciate being around people again. Uh, and it's just such a grace, so. Uh, you know, I was t- like
1: talking about that, I was driving into work today, and I was like, I am exhausted, why am I tired? I was like, I think because I haven't seen people in a long time, and then I was yeah. like, is this what introverts feel like all the time? <laughs> I'm depleted. Anyway, um, I enjoyed just now, we were, we were when we, we weren't recording. You and I were kind of going back and forth about some issues that we both care about, and we're both passionate people. But that was super fun. Father Marco, how are you?
2: Good. How are you? Thanks.
1: Super good. Do you are you ready for rapid fire questions? Sure. Number one, what was your first job?
2: Dishwasher.
1: Good. What was the most beautiful church you have visited?
2: Saint Anne's Basilica. I gotta say that because my buddy Monsignor Sankey.
1: Oh, nice. What it was the most recent song stuck in your head?
2: Neil Diamond, Coming to America.
1: Okay, what was your favorite breakfast food?
2: Oh, I like... We used to... Uh, we call it in Albanian palachinka. It's pra- crepes. Crepes.
1: Oh, yeah. What yeah. was the location of one of your most powerful encounters with God?
2: Oh, uh, it's South Dakota. 30 Day Sign of Retreat.
1: Hey, what... Bible verse has recently really hit your heart?
2: You know, it's not so much the Bible, it's uh, the agony in the garden. I'm just mm-hmm. really drawn okay. to the agony in the garden.
1: Yeah. Have you ever met anyone famous?
0: I was a kid. I met uh, from a far
2: distance, Mr. T. He was the baddest kid around until I showed up.
1: <laughs> Who is your hero?
2: My mom. My mom, for definitely.
1: And what is the favorite book that you have ever read?
2: Oh, uh, Mother Teresa's Come Be My Life.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm going to go a little bit off script with this one. What is your best scar story?
2: Scar story. Uh, when I worked at a restaurant uh, and I was working in the, on the fryer, I oh, no. burned my hand and it was my like first week on the job. Seri- it was bad. I still have the scar. This has been over 20 years ago. I still have the scar. And uh, I did not want my boss to know that I did that. So I worked the, the I finished the evening working there with that with a burnt hand. Uh, I think it was a second degree burn. <laughs>
1: Oh jeez! <laughs> oh. I have se-
0: I have seen Father Marco cook, and he does not use a hot pad. He does not use tongs. You just like burn your nerves hands. off. Yeah,
2: Father. Remember Father Paul Erickson? He called me the barbaric chef. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, Father Paul Erickson from the Diocese of Lansing. Yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. Father Marco, I'm going to jump in, follow up with some of these. How old were you when you started in- as a dishwasher? I was 14. 14. and was this a family restaurant? Was this just a job uh, you
2: got? No, yeah, a job through my sister. She was working as a waitress at this place and she, she got me the job. Really awesome sister I have.
0: That's great. Uh, why is your mom your hero?
2: Oh, my mom is my hero because she is a woman of incredible faith. She never went one day in her life in school. Kids in preschool more educated than her. She was not allowed to go to school because she had to. She had to work as a shepherdess starting at five years old, and and uh, she came to this. She suffered a lot in this life. Came to this country, worked hard, uh, suffered a lot, and she rose. She was with with. Due to her faith, she was able to endure and rise above uh, the, the many crosses she she in, she bore in this life. And and so she's my, my uh, hero. She was from Montenegro? Yes, from Montenegro.
0: And how old was she when she came to uh, 20 I 24, 23, 24. Okay, great. Um, tell me about Broomtree, South Dakota. What, tell me about that encounter with God.
2: I really came to know Christ more so as a friend, I feel like.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. Our diocese uh, asked the uh, uh, seminarians to go through the 30-day silent retreat. No, I remember one time uh, in prayer, I was imagining myself at the wedding at Cana. And I could, t- I could tell, I could see Jesus telling me, "Pay attention to me, look at me," and it was very powerful.
0: One last question before we finish up, uh, Father Marco, "Come Be My Light" by Mother Teresa. You have a special cultural connection with Mother Teresa. Uh, both of you are Albanian, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you find like that coming through in her book? Did you find? Her inspiring no, in any particular no, way? No,
2: not necessarily. But learning, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know about the trials of her of her early life as a religious sister, and her uh, superior was against her idea of of, of uh, going to serve the poor of poor in Calcutta, and. Uh, and also the Archbishop at that time, I believe in Calcutta, he he thought really her idea was crazy. <laughs> and and she was so determined. She had so much faith and trust in Jesus. And then what would even more moved me was uh, learning about that dark night that she experienced, mm. That that longing. Uh, for for God. And and all she had at times was, that's all she had in her spiritual life, was this thirst for God. And that sufficed for her. And that's just incredible.
0: Mm -hmm. Amen. Thanks for letting us get to know you a little bit. Yes. So tell us, Father Marco, how you kind of grew in your relationship with Christ. I know you've done a lot of different things before you entered seminary. Uh, what what led you to want to follow Jesus more closely?
2: A part of my life, I think it was, it was in my early 20s. I was, uh, at that time, working, as a as a sh- uh, short order cook and auto technician, also seriously involved in the sport of boxing, I was attending cha- college. My life was full, active, but I didn't go to church. I didn't have I didn't have a relationship with Christ. I really didn't know who Christ was. And then um, I started to have, experience health problems, which halted the, this active life of mine and then my ability to work and and it just crushed me i i fell into depression but during that time it, it, with that active life being taken away from me it forced me to really delve into the deeper questions of life like uh what's my purpose eternity I mean, I'm born and raised Catholic, but I don't know who Jesus Christ is. So, I started uh, reading scripture, uh, reading about the early life of the church, uh, the, um, the saints, and, and, then, uh, and then learning about the fact that Jesus is present in the Eucharist under the appearance of bread and wine. When I became convinced of that, I started going to daily mass. So with that said, I eventually opened my heart to the idea of being a priest. I thought that I had too many, you know, limitations to be honest of, to be a priest. I, for one, I did not think I had the patience to be a priest. And <laughs> but uh reading about these the disciples, I remember just I feel God telling me in prayer, you know, about the disciples. And he chose these, you know, very limited, fallen men to be his apostles. And so, you know, he's kind of telling me, I'm not interested in self-confidence. I'm interested in a man who has confidence in me and what I can do in your life. And so then from that, then I, I opened my, my heart to the idea of being a priest.
1: That's
0: awesome. Did you ever mm-hmm. uh did you ever box like I don't want to say professionally, but like no, no, any competitions?
2: Never boxed. In yeah, I boxed camp- yeah, we boxed at tournaments, I boxed it in golden gloves, yep. And yeah.
0: And you taught a little boxing at the seminary, I remember, for uh for yeah. a while oh, yeah. here. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I did.
0: So, so that led you to the priesthood, to to wanting to follow Jesus. Like, what's God been doing in your life now? What, what's you know, where is God working in your your life as a pastor doing this ministry? Like, what, how is God speaking to you in a new way, in a different way these days?
2: He really wants me to uh, be see in people and in, in situations, uh, hope, hope. Mm. And, and I feel like he's calling me to be, uh, an, by, by how much I invest my life in, in parish, in, in the in Better Way Detroit ministry, uh, I can, I can uh, be a person that's encouraging, And hopeful, and that's what I feel. People are logging for hope.
0: So, tell us a bit about Better Way Ministry.
2: Yeah, Better Way Ministry is okay. So, I initiated this program back in two thousand and eighteen to as an an attempt to. Help those on the margins of society, uh, the homeless and unemployed, to to, uh, to give them a chance to raise their own quality of life. And you know, so what's better with Detroit? I, I would uh, give homeless Detroiters the opportunity to work for pay, and what kind of work they would do? Well, uh, clean up projects in local neighborhoods and parks. Um, also. The men, not the women. I, 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 uh, the the men, uh, have, meet with me regularly for fellowship, uh, and and uh, I form uh, friendships with them, and could and could stay in contact with them regularly. Um, the approach to Better Way Detroit, it's, its it's been great, it's resulted in 30 homeless men and women finding employment over the past 10 months, A stable rights, I think ranging from minimum wage nine seventy five to $20 an hour and it's, it's been awesome to uh, experience that.
0: And you have people helping you financially, so that you can afford to pay them. Oh those, yeah, those without
2: incentives. without the uh, my heart, generous benefactors, there's, there's no way I could do this. And God bless them for their generous hearts.
0: Awesome.
1: So we met when uh, I was in Detroit, and I we ran into each other one day, and we were talking about Better Way Ministries. Then, what inspired yes. you to start this?
2: Oh, what inspired me was I wanted to give the homeless an opportunity to raise up their dignity uh, through through uh, work. Um, I did not see in the homeless and unemployed uh, hopeless objects of pity but I rather saw uh, men and women with potential um, and I want to give them an opportunity to be contributors to society and, and then eventually it's developed into a gateway to full-time employment for some
1: who has inspired you in in your program and people who you've encountered
2: who has inspired me uh you know uh the people i've
0: i've uh it's okay to say me it, it's, it's okay he, to say me if you Father are,
1: Steve
2: who's <laughs> uh, inspired me uh the, the, these these men that i've helped <laughs> These uh, i'll give an example i mean yeah. i could give you a bunch of examples uh, um, uh, this one gentleman, he, he, he has been struggling for years to find an employment uh, mm-hmm. and um, I gave this man um, an opportunity to, to work with me and then, and then um, eventually I, I found him full-time employment. And I remember him sharing a story that he was really—he's uh, disheartened when a random person offered him a sandwich while he's walking on Woodward Avenue. He's like, "Why do people, when they see me, just think I'm homeless and I'm needy for a sandwich?" He's like, "I didn't need a sandwich. I need a job and hmm. respect." And so me give uh, connecting him with a with a, a restaurant owner friend of mine he he got he has a job now and he can purchase his own groceries he makes his own sandwiches so um you know really uh, i feel though that that inspires me i mean stories about uh a um a man that was uh, serious alcoholic, one of the worst alcoholics I've ever met in my life, and he, he'd always ask me for money and I never would give him a, a dime. I would, you know, I would offer to take him to a restaurant to buy him a meal, but I would not give him money because he's gonna use it for alcohol. Eventually, one night, it was, it was interesting, we, I was walking down Woodward and It was like 10 p.m. working down Woodward, and I saw him, and I was praying the rosary, and I'm like, Lord, I've been praying this, trying to pray a rosary for days. Finally, I have this opportunity, and I see him. So really, I wanted to just (laughs) walk past him. But I, you know, of course, the Holy Spirit's urging me to just uh, greet him at least, so I did. And guess what? I ended up going home like one o'clock in the morning. Don't tell my mom this, but one o'clock in the morning.
0: And, she uh, is an
2: avid listener right now, so
0: we'll we'll have to figure out a way yeah, yeah, yeah. To, yeah. to not get her to hear that.
2: So I eventually what I did is I, I I spent that night with him taking him to a detox center. Hmm. And this was this was april of 2019 and today this man okay he's been sober free for a year he Amen. has a nicer car than me he works full-time <laughs> literally a nicer car than me he's doing great but he's in the battle every day to stay sober yeah. and be faithful to god every day he's in the battle but he's yeah. very honest he calls his friends he'll call me he has other people he calls he's he regularly uh participates in in Alcohol Anonymous. So, you know, a a guy like him is really inspiring. I got some other great stories. No,
0: that's an awesome story. And it makes me ask, like, you're involved in this ministry. I know lots of people who listen to this podcast and who are like, who want to be faithful to what Jesus calls them to do. And they encounter homeless people when they're downtown, when they're out Mm -hmm. and about at at a street corner what is the right way for a missionary disciple to to handle someone who's asking for money on a street corner
2: I believe that uh, the homeless need two things uh, a Christian friendship and an opportunity for for jobs you know now do what they what they what I think they, believe they need, sometimes they don't want, you know, sometimes a, uh, you know, they don't want to escape this homeless uh, culture. Uh, they they know where to go, how to survive, they know the places that are going to supply them with food, showers, uh, clothing, um, you know, so hygiene kits. And so they just, they just want to stay like that and and I kind of push up against that. Yeah, I by getting to know them talking to them. And uh, sometimes uh, they don't want to uh, be helped uh, because they don't want to help themselves. Sometimes I think you, you know to be aware of that. But, but again, another hand is uh, you don't want to be uh, judgmental because they're just not ready. Sometimes, like Joe, like my uh, the man I told you about who was a hor- horrible alcoholic, he was uh, he was ready that that April that April day uh, last year. Um, but I think just fostering uh, maybe um, a honorable exchange which is you know easier for me because when I see a homeless person I've got the Better Way Detroit program and I can <laughs> offer them the, the, uh, the opportunity to work for pay. But I think somehow talking to them it's not just giving them a handout. Uh, it's nice that you can give them a you know a sandwich, a gift card. But I think having a relationship with them, uh, getting to know them. I've. I remember one gentleman he uh he was severely mentally ill. He he um I think he was sixty-two years old. He he just mm-hmm. he had just gone out of prison and he sought me out for uh money and in, and uh he needed long johns, it was December, it was super cold. So I said instead of just giving him the money and maybe saying a prayer and god bless you i said how about this you can work with me for about 30 45 minutes and i'll give you the money for the long johns so we spent you know 45 minutes together working working around the church cleaning moving some things and then at the end of our the 45 minutes i gave him 15 dollars but uh during that time I got to know him I found out he lived in an abandoned house I found out he uh, was um, it, you know he just got out of prison that a lot of he's on a lot of prescription drugs that he was waiting for housing and actually uh, uh, he had not really talked to a a uh, uh, an intake. He never received an intake for uh, from a homeless agency, and therefore he really he really couldn't. He really was not in the process of housing, and I helped him get into that process, the process of housing, and he finally he got he got a place. So you know you get to know the guy, and then you're able to to help him. But you have to be very careful. You have to be care careful. Uh, you know, you don't want to be. Yeah, you got to be very prudent because not all of them are nice
0: guys. Yeah, D- Danielle, how do you norm? You've spent a lot of time in the city of Detroit. How do you normally interact with homeless people?
1: Right, because we have different. We're all, like, like you said, Father. You have a a nonprofit, right? Which is awesome, yeah, and not yeah. everyone does. Yes. Um. Some. Things that I have found that work for me, right, is, and, and you kind of touched on these, but these are just like what I see in my experience too socks on the street. Are like gold, right? So, and I agree with you that giving someone cash isn't always a wise thing, Um, Mm -hmm. and it's all—it's not always the prudent thing. It's not always a loving thing, right? Yes. And so, um, I just buy like a like a pack of socks and keep them in my Mm backseat, and then when you're driving past someone. just like because there's something important about recognizing the human in someone and I think another thing too that someone once pointed out to me that just kind of like challenged my my brain a little bit in an interesting way is people are socialized in different ways right so like if I Danielle Center was to become homeless tonight I would be absolutely overwhelmed because I, I don't know any of that stuff that you talked about father like I don't know where to take a shower I don't know where to get clean water get clean food get clean clothes but someone who is socialized to the streets my life is overwhelming right like paying bills keeping on top of taxes all of these things that's a really so,
0: good point Daniel.
1: isn't yeah that blew my mind when I heard it so I think that um there's there's also like that compassion of like this person knows a lot that i don't know and knows how to navigate a world i i have no idea how to navigate so um all of all of that comes into play as well yeah we're um and i think another thing that's interesting too as as the the city of detroit shifts um people shift so is there a location that you tend to to reach out to people are there locations where you're working
2: so i kind of try at the beginning i i i made an effort to go to different places sometimes in the, uh in the east side sometimes yeah. in midtown downtown coded to, uh uh, to, uh oh it was uh, there was one place in and um i'm talking about shelters or or soup kitchens. sometimes just places where they uh some homeless would gather and then yeah Amanda meals i used to go there sometimes but uh where eventually what happened was i became really focused on on third uh, street and martin luther king and there are two prominent shelters there nso mm-hmm and detroit rescue mission and nso uh the, at nso the uh detroit rescue so mission NSO is just is for ne- men
0: is neighborhood, is neighborhood services, service
2: services organization yeah 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 i think i'm pretty sure that's that and then um i had ns it's so um, uh detroit rescue mission there is just for men, but NSO is both uh, women and men. And at NSO, they sleep in ch- in chairs. What? And yeah, they sleep in chairs. And um, uh, yeah, so I ended up going there really often. Yeah.
1: And that's really where you're focused today as well
2: right now, I had to because of the pandemic, I had oh, to sure. uh, st- yeah, step back for a bit but we with the, with the counsel of a of a medical expert, you know when when we feel we're ready, we're gonna get back to uh, the, the you know working like I did before. however, okay. I do stay in contact with them i've just helped i just helped today, for example, a woman found housing i did a i had a this just helped the guy get a job. So I still connect, stay connected to them, but yeah.
0: yeah, I, yeah. I, I think you mentioned a really good point as we see this effort and all of our efforts to care for the yeah. less fortunate uh, mm-hmm. under the umbrella of what it means for us to unleash the gospel here in Detroit, yeah. it, it's not, I mean, we have to take care of people's physical needs. like. That's yes, a, a yes. moral responsibility amen right But what we offer as well is a deeper reality or, or, or a deeper friendship with Christ that we want to invite them into. And to know that this person, I love how Danielle talked about like, they know things or they're accustomed to things that would totally overwhelm me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to approach them with mm-hmm. a kind of reverence But also with a reality that like they're made in God's image and they need more than just a pair of socks. Now, sometimes that's what they need right now. And I can't do anything else uh, for them unless I'm able to do that. But I also want to help them experience or see from them their own humanity. Uh, I have something I can learn from them. So it's not just a relationship of, you know, me from my lofty throne, you know, looking down and right, helping right. them. But but it's also a way that God wants to work in my life by bringing this person into my life. And I love, my, Father Marco, how you talk about, like, your relationship with them has helped uh, shape your spirituality right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're drawing close to a close. So I just want to. Uh, thank you for the great ministry you're doing. How can people find out more about it?
2: Uh, you can find more about it on our website, BetterWaveDetroit.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram.
0: Sweet. And we always give our guests a chance before they, they leave to share You know, one last thing. Do you want to share any prayer, any words of wisdom with our listeners before you go? Boxing techniques, whatever.
2: Just you know, <laughs> uh, just, really not we we must not give up on people. I've got to remind myself that by the grace of God, I I'm not I never went to prison. By the grace of God, I never became homeless. I mean, I've I understand when I understand when somebody gets depressed because I've been depressed. Due to right. uh, losing a job, and I can understand when, when I encounter somebody who, who is depressed, and therefore sometimes, uh, 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 medic has to medicate and medicate that, that depression with alcohol well, and drugs. Available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, not to quickly judge, but to uh, listen and to. Um, really uh and be that that true christian friend that can move them to uh uh, see themselves as god the god the father sees them and god the father sees a man and woman with with potential a man and woman made in his image and likeness and uh and and uh i think that's important
1: thanks father marco you have a great evening okay
2: you as well okay thank you
0: Thank you so much to Father Marco Jonovic for stopping by the Open Door Policy Studio and sharing the great work that he's doing to unleash the gospel among the homeless in Detroit.
1: If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, your Trader Joe Cashier. You can also leave us a review on iTunes, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Open Door Detroit. Help us unleash the gospel. Open Door Policy was produced by Ron Pangborn and the creative team of the Archdiocese of Detroit.
0: Oh, Lord. I'm Father Steve Polis with Danielle Center. And
1: this has been another episode of Open Door Policy.